Welcome to another episode of One for the Table featuring Kim Chi the Great and John D. OK. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hi, John. Hi, Kim. It's John so nice Kong. to be here. Hi from New York. Um, I'm on the road today. What are you doing in New York? I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Oh, then don't say it. Yeah, I probably don't say it. They haven't paid me yet, so I can't say it. Pay attention to John's social media to find out <laughs> yeah. the super secret project. It's always nice to be back. I really do love this city very, very much. And obviously the food scene here is top-notch next to none, honestly. Except for maybe L.A. I find that L.A. and New York have like equally good food scenes, but like in different ways. Well, hold a thought, because our special guest today actually um, has lived in both New York and L.A. I'm sure he has a lot of opinion about this. He's one of my best friends here in L.A., but he's actually moving to New York um, next month. So without further ado, let's bring on the comedian, the internet sensation, the TikTok funny guy, the gay science guy, <laughs> Rob Anderson. Hey. Hello, Hi, Rob. Rob. Hey, uh, I love the intro. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk about food. Our favorite subject. Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a food lover, and I, for about four years, worked for a company called The Infatuation, which is based in New York, but they have their reviews in different cities, and their food reviews that are kind of funny. Uh, and relatable and easy to read. Uh, they kind of cut to the chase. They do a rundown of the food on the menu. Like if you go to a place, what's the best things to order and what things you can skip. And I worked in a marketing, I was the marketing head there. And that involved social media, email marketing, all of that. So I ate out at a lot of the places, even though I didn't write the reviews. So I, at one point, I think I like, just tracked like it was almost close to 250 restaurants in one year oh my god like different restaurants wow. and i was like this is just That's really really wild <laughs> um and it, it was it was fun but it, it did involve a lot of the times taking pictures of food and video out of the restaurants which is so cringe like you gotta sometimes stand on a chair and put a napkin over the flashlight of your phone to diffuse it okay and get a video or a photo of this food in the dark. Um, so there were some cringe moments where I'm kind of like, oof, I had to do it though, because it was my job. Um, and now I'm a comedian. I quit my job in 2020, <laughs> and now I make TikToks and Instagram videos, and I'm on tour. Yeah, what was it like? Like, what was the transition like from working at the infatuation to like, I'm? did your breakout happen on TikTok? Or was it more Instagram? Yeah, I actually, it was because of my job that I, ended up quitting it i needed to start learning tiktok for the infatuation and start making videos and i made food related things that would go viral that weren't always about restaurants and then uh and just like nostal food nostalgia food jokes and a few of them went viral and then i learned that i really loved tiktok only after they went viral of course <laughs> <laughs> they went viral and i was like oh my god i love this place uh yeah and then and then i made my own and then i started to do it like when that started building up it got to a point where i was able to quit my job like within like a month or two they were it was kind of a sad moment because they were like well we th we thought you'd be here for a long time and i'm like yeah i guess not <laughs> um, but i love 
the infatuation. They have a food festival, EatsCon, uh, twice a year in New York and LA. Um, they're the coolest people I've ever worked for and worked with. Um, they're just awesome. And I love that company. Um, and I miss them. So Rob, you are moving out of LA. Tell us why that you give up this beautiful land of dreams and opportunities and sunshine. I used to live in New York uh, and I'd moved out in the pandemic. And I do love a lot of parts about LA, but my family and my friends are all, well, some of my friends, not all of them, <laughs> are in New York. Uh, and I think I just need the energy again, but it's no knock on Los Angeles. It's just like kind of what I'm needing it, it for, for the time being. Uh, do you feel like while you're in LA, you took advantage of like the dining scene here and like all the different food that LA has to offer? I haven't taken full advantage of it, even though I've definitely eaten out a fair share. When I was working for the infatuation, which, uh, was about like three years, I ate out so much that when I got to LA, I think I was like. I th it was a little burnout on the restaurant scene. So for a short time, I wasn't really eating out like I used to. But then I then I kind of got into it again. So I think I have enough knowledge of it, but not as much as I did in New York. How would you compare like the LA and the New York dining scene? They're both amazing, amazing places to live if you love food. I was going to say in New York, there's like a craze around things. Like if something is a hot restaurant, it becomes impossible to eat there. But I think that can be the case here too in LA. Like something becomes really popular and it's a hot new place, the line will be around the block. Um, so I think those are something both cities have in common. But I'd say the fish here is just anything seafood and fish is so much fresher, yeah. is, is so good, um, accessible. It's not like you have to hunt down a place in LA to find something fresh like that. They're just really local cheap options around the block that don't need to be some big name here to have like good seafood sushi and tacos um yeah i think uh in la they're, they're the restaurants are bigger uh in new york like some restaurant will pop up in the west village and it's got four tables and uh, it's really really tiny uh and in la they're just they're much bigger spaces I think those are like the big differences, I'd say. Just from my personal experience, I feel like different things go viral. Like in New York, a restaurant will go viral. So then everybody would like line up with their friends to like eat at this restaurant. While like in LA, it's not necessarily like fine dining restaurants that go viral, but it'll be like a specific dish from like this like random dumpy joint and then people line up to get that specific thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, there I'm trying to remember what the name of that bagel place was but yeah people lining up around the block for that like mm -hmm. two hour three hour wait yeah it's not fine dining it's more casual stuff or a burger a burger place maybe like three two or three years ago i wish i could remember the names of these things um <laughs> courage bagel yes um i agree yeah it's like it's like a type of food that goes viral mm -hmm. or like a specific pastry will go viral and then everybody will line up with this coffee shop to get this specific pastry but I feel like just overall, I feel like friend groups in LA like go more towards like homey like family restaurants over like fine dining in LA. I don't know if that's like the friend group that I have, but that's just like that's been my experience. And I think it has something to do with also how expensive it is to like open mm -hmm. businesses in New York as opposed to LA just because of the amount of space and restrictions that are based like on there. Like when you ask an LA person, what's your favorite fine dining restaurant? 
I guarantee you 90% of them will just say Nobu because that's what they know, you know? But when you ask a New Yorker, like, what's your favorite fine dining restaurant? The answers, like, really vary mm-hmm. from person to person. The fine dining in LA is, like, not, it's generally not cool. Like, it's, like, where you'd bring a business lunch. It's where you'd bring a client, like, someone that wants to eat somewhere fancy. But it's not cool. Whereas, like, you look at, like, Four Charles Prime Rib or something in New York where that, that's fine dining. But it's cool. Like, it's uh, a cool place to be. So, yeah, it's, like, a little more lame here the more expensive yeah. it is in L.A. I had heard that, like, people with money in New York will get, like the good reservations at the hot restaurant but like people in money with people with money in LA have the best private chefs oh. I don't know if that is a thing but like that is something that I had heard like a long time ago which like explains why like fine dining cultures between like New York and LA are so different because a lot of them just have like cooks at home that actually makes a lot of sense too. it's like ultimate bougie right <laughs> yeah. I think that has a lot to do with going out in either city like in la people stay in and in new york people go out <laughs> right <laughs> so sure. in LA, like, of course they're bringing private chefs to their own homes in new york you're going out you know and like in new york is like even though you're probably like super super rich like your kitchen still can only be like so big in la you can afford like the huge kitchen if you have that kind of money that's true and i feel like people yeah. in la tend to throw more dinner parties like in their beautiful oh, no. homes while like new york i feel like throwing dinner parties like we're definitely like a rich person thing if you live in a big place. Yeah, you need, to, like, a penthouse for that kind of space. I went to one dinner party during my time in New York, and it <laughs> they served soup. I mean, like, no one cooks, really. Like, nobody Except- cooks. Like, <laughs> so they just had a lot of soup. And I'm like, just soup, huh? Like, <laughs> just, just soup. And they had bread. But I was like, I mean, there were, like, eight of us. And it was pretty fucking awkward. Like, we... <laughs> None of us really knew each other. The people hosting it really, like, didn't... They they didn't know what they were doing. And so uh, there were a lot of, like, hot guys with no personalities. So it was just an awkward dinner with soup. And I'm like, really? We're just doing soup? And then and then it ended with G. So, what? like, it was... We had soup, and then we took doses of G. And then, like, we they were like, let's play games. Like, and I'm like, it, it was a group of people that just really never had people over. I think we do a dinner party this way. I'm like, soup, G, and Pictionary. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, dinner parties are not, not as common in New York. <laughs> no, when they bring out apples to apples, that's when I leave. Oh, no. No. It's like, the worst. You could have at least gotten, like, Cards Against Humanity. No, apples to apples. No, no, Wait, no, what's no, no, apples no. to apples? It's like Cards Against Humanity about four mild people oh no it was like the first idea it was they invented the idea of matching cards like that but yeah it's for children and then there's like a few cards like helen keller's in there and so i was like oh who's got the helen keller Keller card so bad (laughs) yeah like oh it's all a trump card to play (laughs) helen keller you'll always win because it's so bad you know and then cards against humanity is like cum dumps like uh, like, yeah (laughs) Nazi cum dump, and you're like, okay, they really elevated the game, didn't they? So, is there anything you're, you're moving back to New York? Is there anything like you look forward to finally eating? Is there anything that you miss in New York that you couldn't get in LA? And is there anything that you will miss in LA that you can't get in New York? 
yeah. I mean, I don't want to be stereotypical about what's better in each city, but like the sushi and tacos here are really unmatched. Like they're really, really good in LA. Um, particularly tacos. There's a few in New York, like Los Mariscos, uh, which I think is in Chelsea Market, that make great tacos, but you have to really hunt them down in New York, and they're just everywhere here. Uh, And then, I mean, it's basic to say, but pizza in New York, there's so many different kinds of pizza, from trash pizza to, um, well, there isn't really deep dish, which is a great thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not no hate against the dish, but it's not really it's not really the same. Um, but uh, uh, Detroit style pizza with Emily Squared. There's just so many different kinds, and they're all so good. And I have not had good pizza in LA. Really, mm-hmm. I always figure like pe- like LA they do good like Neapolitan style pizza with like the fresh ingredients and stuff like that. Like they like, put, like, get like a pizza with gorgonzola like... on their pizza. If you want to get a pizza with, like, corn and arugula, like, at least a place, but, you know, like... Yeah. Like, who... I mean, really, though? Like, do you really want that? I mean, it's pizza with a college degree in California. I think the good pizza I've had here has been Neapolitan, but it's all... It's like Roberta's. It's all New York pizza. Yeah. <laughs> it's all New York pizza that came and right. opened a second location <laughs> in Los Angeles. Um, but there's more than enough good food in L.A. to not need pizza, um, but I do really miss it. Um, yeah. And also, you and hate deep dish, huh? I think deep dish is tasty, but it if I'm going to eat pizza, it, it's the very last thing that I'd want with pizza. I mean, we both lived in Chicago. The same, and we I would say this, it. and I don't know why people think this is like such a good controversial statement, but actual local Chicago people don't eat Chicago deep dish pizza. Like, this all tourist trap. Chicago has a thin crust style of their mm-hmm. own. Cracker crust. They? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've seen that. It's also called, like, St. Louis. They also claim, like, a cracker crust or tavern-style pizza. But we'll let them have it. They're depressing as it is. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I totally agree. Nobody in Chicago is eating it. Giordano's. Like, it's mm-hmm. good, but it, it's, like, something people who are uh, tor- tourists uh, check out. Because mostly, like, you got to call in 45 minutes ahead and then get in there. It's like, no one locals planning their night like that. And also, um, and you have it once and you're like... They actually tried opening a Giordano's in Detroit. And I think they lasted, like, three months before they closed. It's just so much cheese. Like, what kind of self-respecting gay man would eat that much cheese in one meal? I mean, tops. Well, even tops, though, you're still going to get farty. I, oh yeah, we're non-lactose intolerant tops. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And that cracker, I didn't know that that there was a place that I would have. I don't know if it's still around, but it was called Mista Pizza. M I S T A might be called pronounced Mista, Mista in Chicago, and they had that crust, that like really thin crust, and the cheese was so uh, you could just devour ten of them. They were t- really kind of mm-hmm. tiny, um, thin, but. They were so good, but I didn't know that was like now a thing throughout the city. I feel like if you're a Chicago local, um, the ones that are like Gino's East, Pequod's, and Lou Malnati, those are like the top three. Do you remember? Do you guys remember that controversy when Emily in Paris um, said like Lou Malnati's pizza is terrible and it caused like an uproar in Chicago? 
Um, I, I'm not watching Emily in Paris, um, but I. That's funny that that. They even like put out a statement. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> People get so uh, upset about food. Like they get they take it so personally, uh-huh. which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about people, you know. <laughs> but who's getting who's getting mad about it? Chicago locals who love Lumal Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, it is like a lose versus Pequots kind of thing. There, like you're you're either one or the other. You're not both. Mm-hmm. Which are you? Um, I well, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually don't like pizza. I I said it in the podcast. Now everybody knows. I don't like oh, I pizza. Well, you like wow. Detroit style pizza. I did, yeah. But um pizza is never like something that I would choose to eat. Like when people are like, Oh, I'm ordering pizza, then I'm like, I'll eat it. But there's never been a point in my life I'm like, I, I need pizza. It's just bread with tomato sauce and cheese, you know? Like I'm it's whatever to me. Well, Rob was like speechless. <laughs> no, I, I under I actually understand because it's it's kind of like there's a dish, a Greek dish, where they just put it's fried halloumi. They put fried uh, cheese on a stick, and there was a, a place in New York. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, you gotta get the fried halloumi!" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's cheese. Like, of course it's good. It's fried cheese, and like it's the best thing on the menu." And I'm like, "Well, it's gonna be good if you do it at your house. It's just fried cheese." So, so I get why, like pizza. It's like if the dough's good and the cheese is good and like it's seasoned right. It's good everywhere. It's like, yeah, it's good, you know, but it's not going to, like, blow your mind. Uh, I get why you'd think that. Um, maybe I'm basic, but... <laughs> no, no. It I just, them. yeah. Like, I don't hate pizza, but it's like, I'm just never... Pizza has never excited me in a way, like, certain other dishes would, you know? Uh, However, you know what excites me when I go to New York? Bagel. Yeah... There's no they other really... place in the world. Like, New York has got their bagel together. And, like, it's they really whatever do. they do. Whatever they do to it here. I mean, like, I know they say it's the water, but, like, you can you can alter pH for water anywhere. But, like, there really is just something about the bagels here that I've never experienced anywhere else. Like, and you see fa- that TikTok where the guy was, like, slapping the bagel and then he ripped it open and all that steam just came, came out? out. Yeah. Like, that was porn. Actual and the fact that porn. they don't even like toast their bagels and it's so good. Oh, and it's so good. You don't ask for it toasted because it's already perfect. And then there's like 20 um, different cream cheese options. What? The schmears. Mm. And, and they put a lot on, which I love. Like I so love, yeah. much. Oh, like it's like it's a layer. You can Jersey feel it in your teeth. Like, oh, it's so good. I think it is the water. Uh, they say that, John. Yeah, you're right. Like they say the water. The same thing with the pizza dough is that like the water makes it really good. Um, I don't understand the science of that because it's like unless your water is like from Flint, Michigan, like the water's not that different. Like you know, well, I guess it, can, it is, but it can make a pretty di- big difference. But I hear there's a place. I think I might have said this on the last podcast, but I hear there's a place in Beverly Hills that has like a Brooklynizer machine that like turns the LA water into New York water before they make their bagels. I heard that this place exists. I have not gone, obviously, does, but maybe you should check it out before does you sound leave. Sounds like such a good like gimmick. A Brooklynizer. It, I think <laughs> they call it a Brooklynizer. I forgot who I was talking to when I had this conversation, but they—that's what they literally called it. 
Um, the bagels are amazing, especially, I mean, like I'm not an early person, but you get them right after they make them in the mornings and they are phenomenal. And even I grew up in Jersey and the bagels were just as good there. Uh, and in Boston they are. So it's definitely something with the area. And then I went to school in Virginia at James Madison and I had my first bagel there. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is one of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth. It was so <laughs> dry and flavorless. And it like, when you cut it, it like all, it crumbles. And it, I swear grocery store bagels, which are terrible, were mm-hmm. better than the ones that I had at school. And everyone's like, oh, I could go for a good bagel right now. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't know what that is. not a bagel. This is not a bagel. Yeah. It- it's like so dense and like flowery, but like not in like that good dense way. You cut it in half and you look it looks like packing foam on the inside or like like couch foam. You can mm-hmm. pad your hips with it. I mean yes. As someone who grew up in Michigan without a bagel culture, um mm. my first experience with bagel were frozen bagels that my mom would buy. And then I was like, Oh, this bread is pretty good. And then I had the New York bagel and I've never looked back. Yeah. And then on a breakfast sandwich, so good. And then there was like for a while. So my, when I was working for Infatuation, and we, if you're not familiar, we write rest, we write restaurant reviews. I don't work for them anymore. Uh, but when I did, we write restaurant reviews that are fun and relatable. Uh, and that involves being at all the new restaurants that people are eating at, the new ones that open. And my job as a social media and marketing manager was to promote the places that we thought were really good. Um, But part of my job was because it had to deal with social. This was like 2015 or 16, a lot of Instagram food influencers. And that is a part of my job I do not miss um, because the things that pop on Instagram were never the things that were good, like rainbow bagels, for example. Like when those came out, people were just like, oh my God, I want to get the best rainbow bagel. And I'm like, it's food dye. Like, it's just, it's food dye, babe. You know, it's it's the same bagel you did anywhere else. It's not bad. But, like, the influencers and, and social media was always revolving around, like, the charcoal ice cream and, like, the gold leaf on this. Uh-huh. And it was all this visual stuff and extremes. And so I think with bagels, like, there's so much damage done to my brain with the rainbow bagel thing because it was like, oh, well, this post isn't going to get any traction. It's not going to get much engagement if there's not something like rainbow in it or do do a rainbow bagel. And I'm like, but it's not like they don't taste like anything. It's the same, you know? Yeah, I well, think people call that like stunt food where it's like it's, it's not mm-hmm. meant to be eaten at all. It's just literally just meant to be seen. And they're doing it on, they do it a lot on TikTok too where it's like they will like cover things in gold leaf for no reason whatsoever they just like that's what gets the views because nobody's actually tasting this stuff they just mm-hmm. have to look at it which is unfortunate because it generally results in wasted food it's all but it's so gross looking too like there was like a burger that was like stuffed with cheese and then they pour like more melted cheese on top uh, and yeah. they'll like take the burger and like dip it in like melted cheese and i'm like no one needs that much melted cheese yeah and i love cheese yeah, it's it's a lot of cheese. There's like uh, a dish where they melt cheese and they slide it off of a plate and put it on top of something. I can't recall what oh, it is. Raclette? The raclette. Raclette, yes. <laughs> uh, that was like the... Ba- like I, Nothing that serves that is a good restaurant in New York. Like 
if they're serving that, it's just not a good place. But <laughs> those are the things that did well. So it was like this toss up of like, oh, do we post that even though it's not good? But we never would. We'd find some other way to make it work. Um, but yeah, those like Extreme Burgers and Black Tap, a place in New York that made like a, actually a pretty good burger. But then they started making milkshakes that were just so extreme. Like they were like the glass was dipped fully in chocolate. So like on the outside of the milkshake, you it's in glass and then there's chocolate all on the outside. And then there's like M&Ms and cotton candy and all this stuff stuck in it. And, and you're, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> are we stupid? <laughs> like that is it edi- it's just not an edible thing that sounds yeah. like a dessert version of like the brunch bloody mary's where they put like a burger and right. some chicken wings like on top of the glass and it's just yeah. completely ridiculous like why are you doing this yeah you just like, wanted a cocktail right it is camp yeah <laughs> like this, this is camp okay right. this isn't real like are you gonna be at the restaurant like licking the cup clean on the outside like it sounds repulsive yeah it, it, it is i i mean it's um but those are the things people really loved on Instagram. And so there's that like challenge of like, how do you grow a company based on what people like on the internet while also staying true to what's actually good, you know? I think people the- also lose sight of like being famous on social media for a small business can only get you so far because only so many people can go to you anyway. It's better just to like focus on like being locally loved because they're the ones that can eat at your place. It's true. Yeah. In New York, the, well, there was a reason why they kept doing it because I, I guess it was working. You know, I guess they were getting a lot of business mm-hmm. from something like these milkshakes because so many people pop into New York or see it on the uh, online. Uh-huh. Like, oh, when I get to New York, I would love to try that. And they create a reputation for not a local reputation, but a reputation for people that when they visit New York, they want to try this, this and this. And I think there's enough people like that that it gets a business. All right, shall we take a quick break? Sure. When we come back, we'll talk about Rob's feet. (laughs) Welcome back to One for the Table. We're here with Rob Anderson, comedian extraordinaire. TikTok sensation. And owner of feet. (laughs) And proud owner of two feet. Uh, Speaking of feet, um... I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you going with I was, this? I was about to ask, like, where, where is this going? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> For our guests that are listening, um, would you like to tell them about your feet? Yeah, I've been having a lot of problems. I have been. I can really talk about my feet. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you really uh, okay. want to play your feet? I, I mean, don't I, don't, your... I don't necessarily want to, but I could, you know, I could talk about them. Only Stop if you want to. to talk about his feet, Kim. <laughs> I had to wear... Uh, shoes on my tour that were kind of like boot heels and so i could never be a drag queen because um i can't wear heels uh which you get him you understand oh yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) and even these boots which were size 13 uh they hurt my they squeezed my nails so much that they basically fell off they're they're Mm -hmm. on my toes but they're like they release themselves from your toe your toenails oh my god <laughs> and so then that kind of grew out and i'm like okay like my my toenails are finally growing out here i am talking about my feet i really am uh <laughs> and then i did a show in la just like on the, the beginning of 
February, and it happened again because I wore the boots. Uh, oh my god! The boots are so when fierce you, that I'm like, you I do need to wear Europe, them, but you can't when give you up. Do the European leg of your tour, you should have them open toe, just to save them. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so they could see my hideous half on, half off toenail. <laughs> some cliff, some clip hangers, just hanging on there like a saloon door. It's like, <laughs> better my. It this is even is better if there's like podcast. three pieces of like hair attached to like each cell, just to make it extra gross. Oh yeah, I mean more <laughs> than three, Ugh. like at least ten. Ugh. On my or big Asian. toe, I can look right now to see how much hair I have on my big toe, but probably at least ten hairs. <laughs> well, Kim and I are Asian, so we just assume it's just three for the whole leg. <laughs> but speaking of doing your um show in LA, so I wanted to tell your show when you did your first show in LA. Which was really funny. Yes. Um, I highly recommend anyone that hasn't seen it to go see it if you can. How do you think um, your show has grown since then? Do you th- it's a completely different show from the one I saw, or do you think it's more of like less the same? Yeah, I think it's a lot different than when you saw it. Um, but the so what you saw, Kim, was an hour of stand up, and you know. I've never done stand-up before in my life. I have a background in improv. I did improv for eight years in Chicago for the Second City and Improv Olympic, IO, which isn't around anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and The Annoyance, I, I did improv all the time. It was like four nights a week. So uh, that I have that in my back pocket, but not stand-up. So I tried an hour of it and did that at the test show, uh, which really didn't feel like a test show because... It was the first time people could see me live. So people were really excited to see me. And there were like producers that were there. And like you were there. And my friends and every everyone was there. So it was like kind of like not ideal to test your first you right, know, that's hour. That's still a lot of pressure. So I think it, I did a good job. And I got all the material out that I wanted to get out. But then the show started to... Every show I did, I kind of kept changing what worked and what did it. And by the end, it's about half improv with crowd work talking to the audience uh and i think i enjoy that most and i think that that hits the hardest because people just want to see you be you they want to have a moment at a show that can't be replicated that feels very like in the moment and that's what that is uh and then i also i cut songs that were well produced like the pop songs that i've had that i've come out with they're not in the show anymore uh, and I've kept the songs that are like not out for the public to see. And the interesting thing about it is like those pop song, like doing a pop song. If you aren't like a pop dance, like multi hyphenate performer, it is weird to do that in a comedy club, like to dance and sing. Like, I mean, we saw the Baptist performance, right? With Ariana Dubose. In an audience girl. that's sitting, it, it's, it's truly like people just sit and they look at you and you're like kind of half dancing. Like you can't really sing that well because you're like, I don't know, you're just not like a professional singer in that way. Oh, well, she is, but <laughs> it's just awkward. And after a whole show of people laughing at you like <laughs> continuously to then just have everyone stop and then just quietly watch you. <laughs> while you're like not doing real choreography is awkward so i cut that shit rob anderson you're all of us yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
I was actually just singing that in the car. It's like, I'm like, how do I know so many of the lyrics already? It's like, all the ladies in the room supporting and leading. All here, I presume. Like, all here, I presume. Like, all here. The way that she wrote it, like, you would, like, performing for your parents in the living room and, like, putting the words together like that is just what I, that's what's making me so obsessed. And then it's like, she says Kate Blanchett, but she's like, Blanchett, Kate. Blanchette, and they're like, why would she she put her first name last name first because like it kind of fit better in the song it's so cringe love it no literally i I hope she's well i woke up this morning with um angela bassett did the thing thing oh the best part and during that part was like viola davis in the background because she was like dancing and being as supportive as she could just no my favorite part is that jamie lee curtis just rocked fully rocking out when no one else was yes <laughs> yes i mean they really set her up so they did her dirty because yeah she wrote the song and she wanted to do the song and like that's on her i mean the song itself is if you've listened to it and watched the whole number she's it's so like it's so like you can do it like girl power like it's it's all very like it, it there it's so straightforward in that way that you're like why this but then also she's basically just saying the names of the people who are nominated so if you're in the audience did they expect these people to be like oh my god she said my name like <laughs> like you're nominated girl like you're nominated for a BAFTA like you're sitting there in the audience nominated for BAFTA it's not like oh my god she said my name in the opening number like so they had cameras on people right. on these people as if they were going to be like explosive like <laughs> living for this like no they're just going to be sitting there being like okay like yeah. this is just starting so they really did her dirty like to put the camera on them while it was happening is just <laughs> dirty like when um the gay chorus um saying the bit about laura dern like that was funny you know because it was like unexpected you know totally it was like well that was it that had uh a sense of humor to it because it wasn't expected what was going to be sung but it also was so bizarre like yeah they made it strange and that's what you have to do and it was also i think it was the spirit awards that did that so they can kind of get away with some like weird quirky stuff the baftas i mean it's just dry it that wouldn't even land at the oscars like those award shows are are not meant for something like that but if they are you have to make it funny i remember the host of the oscars the australian uh actor oh my god i'm drawing a blank hugh Hugh jackman hugh jackman yeah Hugh Jackman, when he hosted it, he did an opening number with all of the different uh, Best Picture nominees and did like a little verse for each one of them. And it was pretty good. And when he got to the reader uh, with Kate Winslet, he just did some weird alien thing because he's like, I didn't see the reader. Like nobody watched this movie. He didn't even know what to joke about and all these like alien. And he was like, nobody watched the reader. And I'm like, this is funny. You know, like, we're going to do a musical number. Like, cause all the other ones, he was like in this movie, this happens in this movie, this happens. And then like these weird, bizarre, like, like with the readers, like about the Holocaust. Um, so it was truly funny. Um, and if you're going to do a musical number, it needs to be that way because it can just be so, like, not a girl power, like, like all the ladies in the room, you know? <laughs> do you think she would recover from this humiliation? Oh, you know, I think she's more famous now so. than she has ever been. <laughs> People didn't really did. I mean, she won an Oscar, but th- that's what makes it all a little bit more, like, <laughs> a little more cringe is that 
she won an Oscar so quickly. Like she's an established, like Ariana's an established actress, stage actress, uh, and uh, really on Broadway, like a lot of people know who she is. Um, but she isn't a screen actress, and the one big break she got, she was nominated and won an Oscar for. So she's so new to entertainment in like st- like on screen that to come out and do this like all my girls like where are you at it's just a little <laughs> more it was like it wasn't a, a someone who's it wasn't like uh julia andrews you know julia andrews up? sorry uh or or julia robert like it wasn't like somebody that's been around for a while and they're like oh she's just iconic doing a thing it's like she's so new that it's like the try hard newbie i don't, I don't know it's tough <laughs> It was very theater kid vibe, you know? Yes, it was giving theater kid for sure. I think that's like the performance. Not that we have to keep talking about this, but I could. Uh, (laughs) Her ability to perform is high level. But I think as far as like her as a writer, (laughs) you just needed someone else to give it an edge and make it really kind of work. And they let her run with all of it. And I think it was like you know a mistake but i think i think she'll recover if you're if you are talented you can recover from anything look at leah michelle you know (laughs) you you can do anything but if you're talented they'll always come back to you so i think she's fine ariana we're rooting for you if you're listening to this she needs to make fun of it though for sure she needs to go on snl and make fun of it for sure 100 (laughs) percent Because it's not that serious, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But bringing it back to food real quick. Um, wait, while you were on tour, what was your diet like when you were on tour? And what was the most interesting thing that you were that you had eaten like while traveling across the country? Touring is tough. And I told myself before I went on, I'm like, oh, I'll work out every day and I'll eat really healthy stuff and I'll stay on the schedule. And I didn't do that because you're so wiped and and stressed from the logistics of things, but also drained from, you know, the shows that all I wanted to do was feel good. And that involved getting delivery from whatever I felt like eating. And I love fast food. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a lot of times that was just kind of like something familiar, like fast food. But some cities I'd never been to, I'd never been to Portland. Uh, I wanted to try some of the things that people like there. Um, and I had voodoo donuts no! in Portland. No! What's, what, what is this? I want to know more, I can. Voodoo donut is terrible. It tastes like well, nothing. Kim, you can't just, you have to explain it. <laughs> right. The voodoo donut, I don't know. I feel like the locals will tell you not to go to voodoo donuts. Um, the blue ribbon donuts is where like sat. But like voodoo donut was just like so sweet and sugary and has like no actual flavor to me. And I've tasted like 10 different donuts from there. But is this anyways, like a very famous donut shop? Because I don't know them at all. Yeah, it was like they came up like during like the whole like Instagram viral donut and they have like a donut that looks like a penis and some of them oh. look like And dogs. they're in a bunch of like they're a chain now. So they're I think they were when I was in Texas, they're even in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, Kim. It was they were the worst donuts. I think I, they're worse than like Dunkin Donuts mm-hmm. donuts. They are so dry and flavorless and I think a good tell is like a hibiscus donut because 
like a hibiscus, like, because a lot of these, like, more, like, fancy places will have one of those, or a blueberry. Mm -hmm. Something that can, you can taste, like, kind of tangy, or you can taste the flavor in the icing, because otherwise it's just sugar. And I had the hibiscus donut, and I'm like, how do you fuck this up? Like, it, it tasted like nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And it's so dry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, like, the box is pink and cute. It's all a marketing thing. But it's not that, like, just make a better donut. So I was so disappointed. Um, I was mad, actually. Yum. <laughs> Waste of calorie. But yeah. But that's like an example of that, like, Instagram thing working out, even though it's trash. You know, and like, if you've never been to a city, you'll see it on Instagram and go, oh, I want to try that. That seems like it's good. Yeah. It's like a good local place, but it's not. Uh, so whenever I, like, I go out of town, I always like to ask the locals for recommendation, but also you have to take it with a grain of salt. Because the local you're asking cannot, might not be a foodie. <laughs> yeah. And you they know? might also, like, tell you to go where they think you want to go. Uh-huh. Which is generally, like, the most tourist... That ends up being, like, the most touristy spot. Because, like, <laughs> you know, some of the best food that you get in your town is, like, a hole in the wall. And either they don't want to share that or they don't think you'll like it because it's not nice. Like, when you go to UK and ask people for food recommendation, I guarantee you... About eighty percent of like the UK people tell you to go to Nando's. They which do. Is like, I don't understand peri peri chicken. First I don't, of all, just have, don't understand the appeal appeal of Nando's in general. First of all, we have Nando's in the states, and it's just like grilled chicken with different hot sauce, you know. But um, actually, like London has amazing food, so I don't even know why people would recommend. Anyways, just besides the point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's almost like they're. It's uh, you got to go once so that you know what people are talking about. Mm -hmm. like, I've been to Nando's. You're like, okay, like, you know what they're talking about mm -hmm. when they are. But there's, I mean, the Indian food in London is so incredible. Mm -hmm. It's better than anywhere else, other than like India. India, it's like better than anywhere in the U.S. Uh, and um, refined, like it's like a like fine dining too. Yes. Um, that it's interesting. They don't recommend some of those restaurants you know agreed hoppers have you have you been to hopper did you go to hoppers mm -mm. they make this it's called a hopper actually but it's like a a bowl that's made out of some sort of combination of like flour and egg and in that bowl you eat there's like an egg and other stuff and you use the you use the bowl as like a chip to dip oh. in the egg in the hopper okay and it's really light and they have them in different like kind of flavors um they have other things too but there's different sauces you can dip Ooh. in uh and it's just a fun thing to eat that also tastes good that's like very social um there were just so many cool things in london i'm like damn um but nando's isn't one of them <laughs> yeah. and going back to um eating on touring i had the same experience where um like a lot of times like i don't want to eat before a show because you don't want to be like heavy and full and then by the time like the show's over, it's late and everything is closed and the only place that's open is like fast food joint or like a greasy pizza joint, you know? And then, yeah. And for me, like a lot of times, like I have to catch like the first flight out and then you go to the airport and the only thing they have is like bacon and scrambled eggs and like all the places. You bring your workout clothes and it's soaked in sweat and it's like... After that, you can't even, like, wash it because you're at a hotel. <laughs> so then you're carrying this, like, a yeah. wet, like, gym clothes everywhere. Uh, 
Yeah, staying healthy on tour is so I mean, hard. I feel for you. I, I Anything else, my tour made me just respect drag queens so much because you don't even have control over your schedules. Like people do control it for you. And I at least got to decide like when I'm flying out and what I'm doing. And for me, I'm like, how, how do they function? Uh, I was eating trash and it, I gained probably like, honestly, probably 15 pounds by the end of my tour. And I didn't mean to, but I just, it's tough. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking like this next time, this next go around, making rules for myself and not breaking them even if i'm feeling tired like working out and eating like not eating fast food and so it's like a very privileged thing to say um you know but if you have access to the uh delta lounge as you tour and travel um they'll always have like healthy options like hard-boiled eggs and oatmeal and fruit <laughs> which oh, i understand I not everybody has access to but uh it helps. Rob does. <laughs> well, I get why you're saying that because it's like, yeah, like not everyone has access to it. So recommending it's almost like, well, then get the credit card. It's only five hundred dollars a year just to have the car. Um, <laughs> just fly first class. They'll they'll Dude, let you go in the lounge. Um, well, I I agree with Kim, but I I didn't have that. I I've never been in. A, I didn't go in an airport lounge until I was uh, this year. I, I was thirty. Sick, thirty-five, uh, and I—they're I, amazing. So when you do have the opportunity to, or you can, uh, I, I always it, just they're go, worth investing in. I always just go for the dessert plate. I can't help it. I can't eat a hard-boiled egg in a lounge. I want a brownie and their cookies. And if they've got a waffle machine, like it, it's over for me. Some of them have like waffle makers and then some of them have like pancake conveyor belts. I know the Delta Lounge in like Atlanta had like a pancake conveyor belt where you pressed a button and you watch this machine, this like nipple drop pancake batter onto this conveyor belt and you would just watch it go through and then it would just come off. Oh, and you get a pancake. Oh my God. What? And you know, this, I, this podcast is named after pancakes, even though neither of us really like pancakes, but... <laughs> I got it because of the, it was a show. It was entertainment um, and pancakes. So, but <laughs> I will say like one thing that helps me when I travel because there are Starbucks's everywhere and their sous vide egg bites are like actually quite good for you. Um, it is like kind of a, a little bit of like a healthy food travel hack. It's high in salt, but it, it's I think it's like what ninety calories, mostly protein. And so, and because they're everywhere, it's like a reliable thing that you can do if you mm -hmm. like, if I'm stuck somewhere without anywhere like really good to eat, um, I can always rely on that as like a post-workout healthy meal or, or like thing, thing to have. Agreed. Um, a lot of times like if I have to like travel somewhere and do like drag like in the afternoon or something, I'd always get like coffee and like egg bites as like my breakfast. Yeah. And I personally really like the um, the mushroom kale one. I'm not a vegetarian, but the mushroom kale one just tastes really good. It's almost uh, like the mushroom gives like a rich flavor, and kale just makes me feel healthier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like low calorie, but uh, they I, I enjoyed them like you all do, and somebody didn't heat them up up enough once 
and I and I ate it, it and cold. I realized what it really was. You know, like processed prepared food, and the texture of it when it's not hot it's is not good, really bad. Yeah. And I hate whoever did that to me because the sous vide egg bites are lit. Like yeah, like what you're saying. Like it's like a nice healthy option everywhere, and they kind of ruined it for me. No. I know, I know. You got to have them hot. They got to be hot. Otherwise, it tastes like icy sponges. It's awful. Yes. Okay, so, Rob, we'd like to ask our guest this question. You're dying tomorrow. Like, there's no way around Uh, it. Yes. Like, you're dying. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Hell yeah, hell yeah. Curate your last meal appetizer entree and dessert um i think we'll start with dessert um, okay it would be i'm an ice cream guy uh, when you go out to eat you don't ever really order ice cream like the ice cream at restaurants is just always like a scoop of vanilla ice cream or something um, but I would have ube ice cream mm-hmm. from a place called Soft Swerve in New York. Uh, it is so good. It's it's purple, uh, obviously, uh, and you put like cereal on it, and that's like one of my favorite things. So I would have that as dessert. Um, and the flavor's good because like if you go to Trader Joe's, and Trader Joe's does a lot of stuff really well, but they do not do ice cream well. Uh, their flavors in their ice creams are very weak. And they came out with an ube ice cream when that was like becoming popular. And it was like, it was like white people made that ice cream. <laughs> like it was, it honestly tasted like a, like a light vanilla. I was just so, I was embarrassed for Trader Joe's, honestly. <laughs> but Soft Swerve in New York makes really great ube ice cream. Where, um, where is it? Because since I'm here, I would go. Okay. It's in the Lower East Side. Uh, and it's just a, like a, a soft serve ice cream place. And they also have different flavors. Uh, they have sesame and they'll, they'll change out like a different flavor, Ooh. but they're legit. Like a lot of these places will come up with these flavors as like a gimmick and they're not really good. Like a hollow in Toronto makes ice cream and they seemed like they would be like soft swerve. Like they make similar flavors, and it was one of the worst ice creams I've ever eaten. The texture was terrible. It was like gritty. There were like pieces of like fat Ooh. in the ice cream. Oh, I, I hate that. I, yeah, and like the reviews are like, we loved our ice cream. Like people are so basic. Like, we loved our charcoal ice cream, and I'm like, girl, it was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> tops were Lower East Side for sure. Uh, ice and Vice is really good in New York. Um, they make really great flavors for ice cream. Ice and Vice is also like in the Lower East Side. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, for my main course, I would have pizza. I would do, uh, Emily, uh, and Emily's pizza, Emily pizza. And I would do the colony flavor, which is, uh, pepperoni and honey. Uh, yeah, it's really good. And they make a colony square. They make a version with, um, Emily squared pizza with the Detroit style, which is really good. Um, and then for appetizer, um, <clears throat> I asked them to kill me early. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, then I wouldn't have my last meal. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I order. I, you know, 
I like I like chips and queso. Like I think that's a really great appetizer. I think it's like I like mm-hmm. to have something that goes for a long time uh, that can like be paced out, um, no. maybe shareable. But then th- you got to go with like a, a white queso. I think and, uh, you are like the original Dairy Queen. Oh, oh my god i'm a dairy girl i eat a, a whole faye every day like a whole like well how big of a size like not the costco uh, ones because yeah so there's i think uh the there's like small which is like what you'd eat like like a, what a normal person eats uh then there's like those medium-sized ones and then there's the one that look like there's a quart i eat one medium-sized one a day but sometimes a quart and i have for the last like nine years oh my gosh well you are like healthy it's (laughs) like (laughs) you think so i it must be i don't have any digestive issues do you eat it with a metal for that pizza we ate the other day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that pizza that came with food poisoning yeah that that messed me up um a metal a metal spoon of course a wooden spoon you're not supposed to eat yogurt with metal spoon because um the moment um the metal touches the yogurt it kills the probiotics apparently. So you're only supposed really? to eat yogurt with like wooden or um plastic spoon. I feel like it well, would only joke. kill the yogurt that is actually touching the spoon because there's so much yogurt that is not on the spoon, right? I mean, yeah, the well, part I'm is cheating the system <laughs> because I eat with my hands, so. <laughs> so Amazing. they are so live okay. that those cultures are <laughs> thriving oh i might have a dog ball with my tongue you know just straight up <laughs> a wooden one of course straight up slurp it down also i'm sorry i don't care enough about the cultures in my yogurt to eat with a wooden spoon like the idea of a wooden spoon is uh, not satisfying it's like wet i have a wooden spoon and actually quite like using it me too <laughs> like i have like one like one wooden spoon that i actually quite like using it's like it. colder so it doesn't get wet oh mm-hmm. i'm thinking of like you know those big wooden spoons that you like stir things like pasta and all that oh stuff. No, no, like, no, 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 no 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 just no, for no. like dining wooden spoon yeah oh i don't i didn't have to see what it looks like because i they actually can be quite no, aesthetic Maybe I'll have to gift you a farmhouse by Farm, yeah, <laughs> that rustic decor. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Rob. Before we go, is there anything that's happening? Tell us about the European leg of the tour. Yeah, I am doing my tour in Europe, uh, in Amsterdam, Berlin, Dublin, London, and Lisbon. Uh, the shows are sold out, but I'm adding late shows for all those cities, uh, in the next like week or so. Uh, and I'm also going to add Paris. So, uh, check that out. They're the last times you'll be able to see this show that I'm doing. Um, but I'll be touring again soon in the future too. We can't make them. That's amazing. We'll have to get you back on. And so you can talk about all the food that you ate in Europe. Well, your tour food, maybe you had Nando's, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> I'd be happy to come on anytime. You just let me know and I'll I'd pop on. Thank you everybody for listening and if you like what you heard, like, comment, subscribe, share, give us a five star rating. Or you're a hater. And don't be a hater. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye everybody. 